greet you in Jesus' name again this evening. Kind of privilege to be here and worship together and also listen to that singing. Um, I guess I think, I know, I think that was appropriate for what I'm feeling tonight. I remember one time I shared, saw this last song was taken from Psalm 61. And I shared this with an elderly sister from our congregation. It's actually my aunt. And I remember that some of the things she said. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the path that is higher than I. Are you ever to a place where your heart's overwhelmed? Where you think the waves are going over your head? Uh, we cry out to God and ask Him to lead us to the rock that is higher than we are. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <clears throat> Father, once again, as we look into Your Word, I just pray that Your Spirit would minister to us. We realize we're needy creatures and we need You. We need Your Spirit to guide us, or guide our thinking. And Father, I pray that You would teach us what You would have for us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> subject this evening is not one that I enjoy preaching on. I'd much rather preach on missions or something like that, but I feel led to share this message tonight. I invite you to 1 Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5. If there would be a new line of soft drink that would come out and it was advertised and they would advertise it to be better than any you've tasted so far uh, it's just you just have to have it it's addictive and it's lethal would you drink it I think it would sell Thing is, would you would you buy it? Would you drink it? My titles from there for this message comes from First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty-two. The last three words: "Keep thyself pure." I'd like to read verses twenty-one through twenty-five. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing but partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's, men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine oft infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men's they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid." I believe there's an all-out attack today. That has been for a while, but I think it's getting worse as the days go by. There's an all-out attack on personal purity. And it doesn't just attack, it isn't just what we see. 
But it seems like as the end times are coming, the devil's trying to destroy our spirit, soul, and body. The enemy of our soul would enjoy keeping us in bondage or take away our power to live in victory. I've talked with a number of at least three young fathers in our congregation and three young single men in the last number of months who have been trapped in this, in this bondage. And I feel for them because I had been there at one time. And God's desire for us is that we live for His glory. And some of that includes living in victory. Victory is possible. We can live in personal victory. It is possible to live in peace. To have joy. It is possible to have freedom to serve Him. The enemy of our souls wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And sometimes when we're wrapped up in these things, it comes suddenly, we, we dabble in a little bit and it gets worse and worse, and after a bit we just feel helpless. I'll get into some of that later. But I'd like you to remember, no matter what, the devil is not all-powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is possible to be freed from the bondage of impurity. There's a lot of things thrown at us today. Um, in all kinds of ways. And a lot of it is to, I don't know how to say it except dumb us down or numb us. So that the things that we see don't shock us anymore. If they don't shock us anymore, we get used to it. And we don't think it's so bad. But you know, there's a time when your average person in Walmart in the summertime, the way they dress, people dressed better than that on the beach and got fined for immodesty. And now it's this common thing. We, got, we get used to it. It doesn't shock us like it used to. And I believe that's all part of the, the devil's plan to just get us to the point where we get used to the dark. There's a battle going on for our souls and it starts, I believe, in our minds. And the devil uses all of our gates into our minds. To, to get to us. The field of battle is our minds. Proverbs 23 tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it's very deceptive because we can cover up. We can begin to think things and look at things. And we think it doesn't bother us. We think we can keep it hid. Nobody knows. But we can't do that very long until we have a loss of power. And eventually, what we think about is going to be evident in our lives. It will eventually be known by the way we talk and by our actions.
Paul's giving Timothy some direction here concerning church life. He's talking about the brotherhood, how to treat people in the brotherhood. 17 through 20, he relates to church leaders. And verse 21, he's talking about relating to one another. Or everyone, there's supposed to be no favorites. Treat without partiality. And then he ends up there, the last phrase there, keep thyself pure. I would understand that to, to mean keep yourself from other men's sins, other men's doing. Don't participate in other men's sins. But I don't think <coughs> we're doing any injustice to think about personal purity in this phrase. Keep is to guard from loss or injury. Keep the eye upon, hold fast. If you are told to watch something, uh, it used to be that they would take sheep or cattle uh, to a pasture without fences and you're supposed to watch the sheep. And you probably read stories already where the person that did it was supposed to watch them fell asleep and they got away. Or they run off. Uh, it has the idea of keeping is, is to guard, to keep from injury, to keep your eye upon. Don't let it get away. Thyself is personal responsibility. Pure is clean, innocent, modest, perfect, sacred, blameless, consecrated. You know, if we're really honest, we will know if we're fulfilling Psalm 19, the last couple of verses. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Are we that way in our minds? So putting these three words together, we must be alert and awake and on guard to keep ourselves clean from the filth of this world. And there's a lot of filth in this world. It's everywhere. But I also want us to realize that it is a personal choice if it contaminates us. Contaminates us. We can't always help when we see something. But whenever we see something or read something or hear something, it is very important what we do with that. Personal purity is a choice. It is a personal responsibility. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have learned, have both learned and have received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'd like to use this passage tonight to analyze our lives if, if, it, if our lives meet that, the requirements. 
First of all, I would like to look at verse 6. Pray. We need a vibrant prayer life in order to not be contaminated with this world. And I don't... This is for everyone, but I, I'm a man and I understand the temptations of a man. But if you take time with God and you have a personal prayer life that is vibrant, even though you're bombarded with much impurity, many times they won't stick if you have a vibrant prayer life. We've experienced it in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, we take our young people to places where Hollywood and in Santa Monica and some places, and even downtown, where it is not a good place to be, very frankly. In fact, they sell magazines on the streets, openly in the streets. They have their magazine racks set up. And there's porn right there. You don't have to go to a shop to buy it. It's right out there in the street. Sometimes we find that some of the best places to stand are close to that. And we try hard to get as far, as far away from that as we can. We also, just the people walking the streets, the way they're dressed, the way they present themselves. We had a real struggle a few years ago with, on the sides of the buses, huge pictures was porn. Uh, it was advertising certain things, and um, it was very embarrassing to be singing there with a group of young people and a bus would stop in front of the group. Well, some of our ladies understood this. And so every year since that time, they get together and they pair up two and two. And they, each of them have a name of one of the fellas. And they spend time in special prayer every day for those two fellas that God would help them. And I'm here to testify that it helps. It's still a personal choice, but there's something about extra time in prayer for that issue that helps. Another thing we've noticed is since that, and it's been a few years ago, there have not been near the horrible pictures on the side of buses as it used to be. I don't know what changed, but I know who changed it. Because there was a lot of prayer. There were some that prayed specifically that the pictures on the bus would be, we'd be able to they wouldn't be so bad. And that kind of work, and we, we, stress, we stress when we go, it is, not, it is not vacation. It is a spiritual battle. And I want to tell you something else. The more you desire to live a pure life, the greater the battle. It doesn't, doesn't mean I'm not saying that to scare you to, so that you don't even put forth effort. The alternative is not an option. It is not an option to be dirty, okay? But whenever you, the devil knows if he can get us in this area, he, we lose our power. We can't be good witnesses. Verse 7 here speaks of peace. The peace of God, which pass, passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It does make a difference if you have peace with God and you confront some of these things. Somehow, I don't understand it all, but if you have peace with God, it's easier to say no. It's easier to click off. 
It's easier to look the other way. I was working with a young man a number of years ago, and he had some real struggles in this, uh, in this area. And he was doing better, and I was in constant contact with him. Then as it was going better, I was, had less contact with him. And one time I asked him, well, how's it going? Well, he said, it's going better again. But he said, he was, he was wondering why he, he was still lived at home. He was wondering why him and his sister were fighting so much and why everybody was so irritable. And he began to realize that he was losing out in this area. He wasn't having victory. He didn't have peace. So guess who was really irritable? It was him. He got this area straightened out again, and he was amazed how easy people were to get along with. I'm not saying that is every time, but if we have the peace of God, if we go to the effort to have the peace of God, we have the strength to say no to what we shouldn't do. And then verse 8, what we think. Is what we think, is what we meditate upon, is what we dream about, is it true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and good report? Think about today. I have no idea what you did today. I know what I did today. What did you do today? Were the thoughts you thought? Was your mind true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report? And if it wasn't, all that means is we need Forgiveness of sins, forgiveness from God, and the power to live in victory. Verse 9 speaks of what you've heard, what he taught, what he's telling Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy here, what you learned, do it. Okay? You just have to do it. Uh, get it done. What has been learned and heard, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. What a promise that is. I don't want to go out into the world. I don't want to go anywhere. It doesn't have to be out there anymore. It's in our homes. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to have to fight against the devil without having peace in here. I need the peace of God. I need the power of God to live a victorious life. And I tremble when people say they're strong. And these things don't bother them. A strong person will realize his weakness and will take steps to guard that. A weak person thinks he can handle anything and will often fall. Personal, respons personal responsibility to take action. We need to be able to do that. Let's look at James 1. James chapter 1. Getting at verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of any, with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It is a personal choice. 
We like to blame it on our circumstances. We like to blame it on many things. And I really, I really feel for, it was not my experience, but I feel for boys especially who have been introduced to pornography at a young age. They struggle with that oftentimes for years. I was talking to a man one time, oh, just not real long ago, and we were talking about this issue, and he said, I was one of them. He was either 10 or 12 years old, he was introduced to pornography. And it twists your mind, and it's a, it's a detriment. But it, you can have victory. His testimony was that you can have victory. Okay, we want to use these things, um, especially verse 8. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, and a good report. And we want to look at some things that are enemies of purity and peace and help us to compare the two. I have listed here, I think it's seven enemies of purity and peace. And I believe they go hand in hand. I believe purity and peace go hand in hand. Uh, you're not, if you're not, if you're into things that you shouldn't be, um, in this area, you will not have peace. The first enemy, enemy I have of purity and peace is um, what I had in mind when I talked about the new line of suffering. That's <coughs> pornography. Pornography is writings or pictures, etc., intended primarily to arouse sexual desire. It can be books, magazines, pictures, anything to draw your mind towards that. You wonder why so much of that is published and why it is it's because it sells. Somebody's buying. There's a lot of money made and it's very addictive and destructive. I've heard people say that you know they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it, and they go back to it. There's a remedy for this, and the first thing is to get rid of anything that shouldn't be there, that you shouldn't be in your possession. Burn it, destroy it. I, when my wife and I were dating a number of years ago, we were running with the youth group from her church. Uh, not real close, but we, we uh, I guess we were so enthralled with each other that we didn't hardly have time for the youth. But our time spent with the youth was with her youth group. And I was shocked. Of course, I, I wasn't used to this. It was just something that you didn't do. You didn't mess with pornography. But one of the young guys would buy the Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazine. And I could not believe it that he would do that. But it was just like not a big deal. But I am very thankful that my mother way back we used to get the Sears and Robot catalog. Anybody remember that? It's been a long time. A couple of people. Uh, we used to get that. And I mean, 
The boys were not supposed to look in the women's section. I mean, she guarded that. And if we did, we felt condemned. And I was a bad boy. I remember hiding behind the couch to look at it. Why, why was that? Because I knew I wasn't supposed to. So I did it. Well, now they come. I, my wife's embarrassed sometimes. The mail that comes, some of the mail that comes. That stuff's on the front page. It's right out there. And we're, we're, we're dumbed down. We're, not, we're used to it. But it does something to us. We need to have a hatred for sin. A hatred for that kind of stuff in order to get rid of it. Do whatever you need to do to get rid of it. It should not be in our possession. I remember the testimony of one preacher one time that said that he was flying somewhere for meetings. And the Lord smote him and he said if, he would, if the plane would go down and he would meet God, he would not go to heaven because he had porn in his briefcase and he was on his way to meetings. Let's get rid of it. Whatever we have in our possession, is it true, honest, just, pure, Lovely, of good report. Next, the second one I have is the computer. We're probably more familiar with that even than some of the other, some of the written things. The world is at our fingertips. And you know that. Impurity jumps up on the screen. It is so addictive. First of all, we get into a rut, and then we get into a ditch. It becomes deeper and becomes a ditch. And if we're not careful, it'll be deep enough that it'll be a grave. So just last fall, I was working with one young father, and he was so frustrated because he had quit a number of times, and he confessed to his wife. He was watching stuff on the computer at work that he shouldn't have been. He thought he had victory. And then it would happen again. And then he thought he had victory. And then it would happen again. And finally his wife told her father. And her father told him he needs to get some help. So he called us up and we went and visited him. He was so relieved just to tell me about it. Tell someone about it. Get it off his chest. And then he was able to take some steps Put some blockers in place. But, I want to tell you something. If you want to see it, you can get around blockers. You can do whatever you want on the computer. There are, there are steps, and beyond what I can explain, there are steps to block the stuff. But if you really want it, it's there. You have to want to be free from it. You have to take personal responsibility. Is what I look on this, what I see on the computer every day, is it true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and good report? And I'm going to get really radical here. If we really have problems in this area, and it's from the computer, we need to consider doing with that, at least for a while. It's not worth it. <clears throat> Next one's right along with that in the cell phone. 
That's, I guess it's one and the same today. You can get anything on the cell phones, you can get anywhere else. Some of it's very difficult to block. One young man, a number of years ago, he asked me to put a, <coughs> a password in his phone that he didn't know, so he couldn't get to it. He, couldn't, he didn't trust himself. And then he, he had victory for a number of years. But he's married now with some children and just recently why he come forward again that he just got a new cell phone and he just wanted to check to see if he could get the internet and he got the internet and he just couldn't control it. You know, we've done fairly well in our Mennonite circles of banning the TV. I don't know if it's not what that situation is here. But you know, it's amazing and I want you to know I bought my daughter's cell phones, okay? And maybe we were a little radical, but I know the problems and I know the struggles that we had in our home because of the cell phone. But they weren't allowed to have one until they were 18. I'm not saying that's the, that you should go by that. But for certain reasons in our home, that's what we did. And sometimes the cell phones were taken even at that. But we banned TV, but we give our children cell phones. They can get anything on there. You get on TV. I'm just saying that to be aware of what can happen. There's there's ways to block it. Uh, again, one possibility is to do without. Somehow, we functioned years ago without, and now we're like we are missing a leg if we don't have a cell phone. Um, when I think of when I think of doing the L.A. street meetings without a cell phone, I don't know how we do it. They used to do it just fine. Uh, we used to drive truck without a cell phone. Last time I was in, in the trucking business, driving truck, why it was a requirement for a driver to have one. And I understand why. We've changed. But let's not compromise personal purity. It's what I see, read, and whatever on my cell phone. Is it true, honest, just, pure, holy, a good report? The next one I'm just as concerned about as porn. And I don't know your stand here. I didn't ask. And you may chase me out of here. But I think Brother Leon understands anyway. But Christian romance novels can do the same thing to ladies as what porn will do to men. And I believe it should be treated the same way. I think there's a thing to do with porn and that's get rid of it. And I think the same thing is true about Christian romance novels. They create unreal fantasies. We dream about being in some other man's arms or in some situation where it's just so lovely. It's just... I had one young lady, uh, she, I, I think she's a dedicated Christian, but she wanted me to read this book. It was a big, thick one. And I read it, and I'm like, yuck. She read it four times. There's a reason she did. Because if you were, in the, la if you were the lady in the story, you went places where you couldn't go in life. Okay?
You say, but it's Christian. Well, is what you read true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report? The next one I have listed is music. Music can encourage purity or work against it. We had some songs sung this evening in our congregational singing and the young people singing here. I mean, it just draws your mind heavenward. And it is a blessing. But it can do the other thing too. It depends what kind of music it is. I could not in my personal life have victory and personal purity until I got rid of country music. Somehow, as I look back, I don't know why, but somehow I thought I could live a Christian life and listen to that. I was not able to. And it was wasted years. There are still times I hear a a phrase or a song, and I could repeat that whole thing, but try to memorize Bible verses, and I have trouble. And then those thoughts are in there. And it was in a rebellious time in my life. I remember one song was, I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. You go ahead with your own life. Leave mine alone. And I used to sing that at the top of my voice. Because I was a rebel. I was away from God. And with that kind of a mind, you're open to a lot of trash. And I remember one time I was listening to it. My mother said, do you realize what that says? When I thought, I mean, it was cheating, it was stealing, it was immorality, and it was glorified. Country, rock, contemporary music militates against purity. It is a personal choice. And I don't say this proudly, but I, I struggled with that for years. I... Innocently, I can say, it was innocently, at 15, I listened to a, heard a song on the radio, our church allows the radio, and I heard a song on the radio, and it just, that's the way I feel. And from then on till, I don't know, it was after I was married a while, my wife was shocked at some of the stuff I'd listened to. But I, God gave me victory on that. And today, to this day, if I hear it, I shut it off. In fact, I was looking for a radio station since I'm here. And I was listening to a talk radio station, and all of a sudden they started playing country music, and I turned it off. I don't want it. I don't want to go back there. It destroyed me for years. It's not worth it. Is what I listen to true, honest, just, holy, and a good report? <clears throat> I realize a lot of these are connected, but I would like to take this next point a little farther than music or novels, or and it's just plain fantasy. Continually thinking about dreaming of being with someone who does not belong to you. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. I know I have this verse in here. I don't see it here, but I probably come to it later. But I wanted to read it now. Matthew 5, 28 and 29. 
No, excuse me, 27 and 28. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. One night we were having Bible study at, at the prison. I don't know why all of a sudden I began to think about who I'm sitting with. I usually didn't, didn't bother me. Uh, it doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter how many tattoos they have. I don't even really see that, okay, when we're having Bible study. But for some reason that night I was thinking, you know, I know he murdered, I know he murdered, I know, I know some of his past. The Lord just spoke to me, you know, you did the same thing. I never killed, but I hated my brother. I never committed adultery, but I was right here. I lusted. And the same blood that cleanses them cleanses me. Sometimes people have, not everyone, but there are people who struggle with this. And they see a person and they, in their minds, do things that they shouldn't. Also, I'd like to remind us that our bodies are not toys to be played with. They are temples of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people look at other people for the purpose of feeding fantasy. It can be uncontrolled lust. What I meditate on, what I think about, when my mind's coasting, is it true, honest, just, holy, and a good report? Last one I have here is unconfessed sin. Sin will block access to God's throne, rob a person of peace, and militates against purity. If I could somehow show you how it works, I don't, I don't know how to do it exactly, but if I have a round circle that represents your life, and you have a sin that's unconfessed, and we'll just put a little black mark on the side, that's unconfessed sin. The devil uses that to get to the rest of it because he's claimed that. God doesn't have that part of your heart if it's unconfessed sin. It's known sin. It's unconfessed. That part of it, the devil controls. And he can use that to get at the rest of it. Deciding to do better will not do. You can decide a thousand times and I've done it. I won't do this again. I will be faithful. But you need a help outside of yourself. Needs repentance, confession, forsaking. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'd like to bring back this thing that I mentioned before. We get into a rut. And the rut becomes a ditch. And if we don't take care of it, it's going to become a grave. Well, let's look at helps for purity. First of all, I already mentioned this, that we must remember that we are not our own. We belong to God. We are not our own. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20. 
What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God created us in the first place. He gives us life every day. Every breath you breathe, every heart, every time your heart beats is a gift from God. He's created you. He's created me for His glory. Then He's redeemed us. Because we went away from Him, He's redeemed us. So we're not our own. And I want to emphasize another thing tonight. We owe our flesh nothing. We owe it nothing. We don't have to feed any, any fleshly desires. Second thing we must remember. We must remember that lust is sin. We must believe it. And here's where I had Matthew 5. Lust is to set the heart upon, long for what is forbidden. I was with, this is after I was married, I was with a Mennonite, another Mennonite father. We were driving down the road and a pretty girl went by. And I remember his comment was, just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't read the menu. It does when it comes to this. Lust is to set the heart upon long for what is forbidden. You can't whistle at a girl going by with a pure mind. I'm sorry. It's not possible. We have no right to look at anyone with desire outside of marriage. We are to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Third thing is, we need to realize that we're not alone. These aren't in any special order. But we must realize that we're not alone. And I, I know what it is like to be there. And I've worked with enough of men to know how they feel when they're there. Remember years ago, we were working with a young man in our church. Our deacon was working with him. And this young man says, you don't understand. You don't understand. And the deacon began to share some of his past. And he was like, wow, you do understand. I said, yes. We're not alone. <clears throat> First of all, we have the power of the Godhead at our disposal if we ask. Study prayer sometime. When we pray, it sets the uh, Trinity into motion. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have them at our disposal to help us to have victory. Secondly, we have brothers and sisters who are willing to work with us. We often think there's no hope. No one understands. I'm alone. That's the devil. Getting our minds that way and thinking we'd not even try. And if we don't think there's any hope, we'll keep on. But there is hope. Find someone to confide in. Find someone to pray with you. And I don't know these men and the ministering brethren here, but I'm sure that any one of them would be willing to sit down with you and pray with you. I've had contact with one of the young men from our church 
Every day but one. The one I failed this week one day. But we meet every once in a while and what we do is text back and forth every day. A Scripture verse that means a lot to us. And it's just to keep in contact. Because he struggled. I have another young man that I've been texting and talking with. And he told me this week uh, I could look. It's either two or three weeks he's had victory. And he's excited. He can actually live in victory. But we're not alone. Somebody's willing to work with us. Someone who understands. Fourth one goes right along with the third one. To be open enough and humble enough to be accountable to someone. First of all, we're embarrassed and ashamed that we even struggle with it. We hate ourselves. We think it's disgusting that we're even bothered by it. And we're trapped by it. That's the first thing. But the second thing is we don't, when we do fail again, we don't want to own up to it. It's embarrassing. But we must be open enough and humble enough to be accountable to someone. Accountability only works to the point that we're willing to be honest. Both parties must want to be honest and must be willing to be honest. Share what is true, the victory or defeat, and then pray about it and go from there. Sometimes we lose some battles, but we don't have to lose the war. We can work together. Fifth one I have, again, it's right with it, is confess and make restitution. And I'm not, I don't know it. Every case is probably different. But we must confess and make restitution to all who have been affected by it, to times that cost broken relationships, where there's been a violation of trust. People ask, how far should I take it? I say, till you have peace. However far, go as far as you need to have peace. Ask for help in prayer. And I think there are times when it is appropriate for public confession. I know it's embarrassing, especially in this area. But I'm going to tell you something, it'll drive a stake in. You say, I have a problem. I need help. I'm asking for your help. But I'm driving in a stake. From now on, I'm going to do better. And you'll have people praying for you that never even realize you're having a problem. Ask for help in prayer. The sixth thing is probably should be the first thing. But you have to get rid of the old to saturate yourself with the new. And that is fill your mind with Scripture. Fill it with Scripture. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This song that the young people just sang. Memorize it and sing it. Have good tapes and good CDs on. Good music. Fill your minds with them. Fill your minds with Scripture. Let's look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee the light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I'm going to stop right there. Circumspectly, the way I understand it, has the idea 
of like a cat walks when it's going to pounce on something. Look around as you walk, very carefully. That's the way we are to walk in the Christian life. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Fill your minds, fill your life with Scripture, with the Word of God. Harold Kaufman, the founder of MAM, I remember years ago when he used to drive around Guatemala. He used to have an Isuzu Trooper. And he had the Word of God on tape in there. And every time the switch went, the Word of God came on. That was a blessing. He had that, He did a lot of driving. And it was good for him and it was good for anybody that was riding with him. Take time in God's Word every day. And the seventh one I have as a help is reach out and help others. Don't be concentrating only on yourself. Yeah, there's a time when we have to begin to get victory. But once we begin to experience victory, I believe it helps us a lot to reach out and help others. Focus on others, the needs of others. <laughs> it stretches us to reach out and help others. It stretches us to to walk with other people, to be accountable. But I believe it helps us. It helps us to be faithful ourselves. Now I'd like to go back to 1 Timothy 5 again and look at verses 24 and 25. It says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Basically the way I understand that is we're going to get the judgment. We're going to stand before God. Everyone's going to stand before God. And all our sins are going to be there, either beforehand or when we get there. I want to encourage each one of us to take care of them now, so that when we get there, they're not there. There's nothing between us and God. And also the good works, the faithfulness, the, uh, the service we have for God that comes out of a, a love for God will be there as well. Proverbs 28.13 He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. In conclusion, I just have a couple of reminders here. First of all, keeping ourselves pure is a personal choice. I can't do it for you, you can't do it for me. It must be a personal choice. Secondly, in order to have victory over sin, we must hate sin. We must hate it. It must be repulsive to us. We must hate it. Third, I have no right to anyone outside of my marriage in any way. Fourth, we owe our flesh nothing. We don't owe it anything. We owe God everything. And the fifth one is, victory can be re a reality if we seek help from God and others.
Victory is a reality. There's a battle, but there's victory. I'd like to uh, read a poem here from Amy Carmichael. <clears throat> Angels Near Us, and this was taken, this was written from the story of Gideon. Gideon didn't realize God's presence was there. And a man came and talked to him. <coughs> Once a man stood near a stone. Thought he was all alone. Spoke a little frightened word, but an angel heard. Heard and answered him and said, kindly words and comforted. For the man was not alone by the altar stone. Nor are we alone today. When we work or when we play, angel people, they are here and they behold us dear. When we're good, then they are glad. When we're naughty, they are sad. Could we see our angels' face? Could we see our angels' eyes? Would we see surprise? Would we see them in their place where they see the Father's face? Shamed and grieved to have to tell how we children fell? Lord of angels, make us good. Help us do the things we should. Keep us so that we may be pleasing unto Thee. And also I'd like to read the words to breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until with thee I will one will to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, until this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. Breathe on me, breath of God, so shall I never die, but live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. Let's bow our heads for prayer.